words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In the letter to the Hebrews, we are encouraged to be bold. I remember when someone tried to use that as an insult to me, that I was too bold. But our scripture says to be bold, be bold in approaching God. And our gospel from Mark says be bold even when you don't like what you hear from God. The young man, a kind young man, a faithful young man, approached Jesus with all good intentions, respectfully, kneeling, addressing him as teacher. And Jesus said, in so many ways, that the question that he asked was wrong. The question he asked was, what can I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do to inherit eternal life? Inheritance, by its nature, is a gift. Sometimes people prepare and let you know what you will inherit. As God lets us know, we are heirs of the kingdom of God. Or as a grandmother will let you know that you're getting a certain piece of jewelry. But it's a gift. Eternal life is a gift. It's a gift from God. Not something that the young man can do to secure. Do anything to secure. And then Jesus redirects the young man even further while reminding him that inheriting eternal life is a gift from God, he does give him something to do. So there's that tension there between human responsibility and God's generosity, God's generous grace. And there are tensions all throughout these scriptures. But I only have a few minutes, so we'll only look at a few. Human responsibility and God's grace. God's generous grace comes first. You inherit eternal life because of God's grace. And yet there are things we are to do, as Jesus says. First of all, stop worrying about your own salvation. Jesus says, worry about the community. Worry about the poor. Give everything that you have to the community's health. Worry about not my salvation, but our salvation. Physical, spiritual, community-wide, the health of our eternity, the health of our community, are intertwined. 
go from worrying about I to we because by going and selling all you have and giving it to the poor directly from Jesus' mouth, you are able to show that you have not made wealth an idol that keeps you from true commitment to God and Christ. Wealth will not save you, Jesus says. This is a radical idea in his time, and I think it's still a radical idea in our time. People literally believed that, that wealth and economic prosperity, having many, many possessions, was a sign of God's blessings. So, obviously, if you didn't have it, you were not blessed by God. That's why the disciples asked, well, then who can be saved? If it is harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, who can be saved? Because the idea, the concept, the theology was that what we have proves how much God loves us. Today, I think that's expressed more and more and by what we, we have proves our worth. What we have proves how valuable we are. The other side of that coin is it proves how invaluable, how dispensable the poor are. That is not the good news. That is not the gospel. The young man asked Jesus in all earnestness what he could do. And Jesus, looking at him with love, and this is the only place in the Gospel of Mark where, where that phrase, with love, comes up. Jesus looks at the young man with love. He also looks at his disciples with love when he answers them, who can be saved? He answers that question of theirs, who can be saved with the response, for mortals it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Wealth was an idol back then, and it is an idol today. And it distracts us from the real work of Christianity, which is to trust and believe that God wants nothing but good for all of us, that God, God's will, out of God's generosity, we were created this love and there is enough for all. We were, we were gifted this earth and there is enough for all. To see the face of God and the other. Someone talked about it as to see Christ in the face of the other. That means we are all walking icons in which we are to have a relationship with God. 
Not only accepting that we are the image of God, the imago Dei, but also that we are the likeness and are to, in, to in, imitate God by giving generously of what we have, by understanding the dignity and worth of every human being. Rich, poor, gay, straight, black, white, young, old, immigrant, native-born. In the kingdom of God and eternal life, there are no, none who are more worthy, have more worth. And this is the radical message of Jesus today. Sell what you have. Sell what makes you important, what gives you financial security, and give it to the poor, and then come follow me. The famous Reformed theologian John Calvin had a famous analogy about the scriptures, that the scriptures are like spectacles for weak, failing eyes. Without scripture, we see only a world in chaos driven by human ambition and failure. God's plans and purposes are blurry and hardly detectable. But if we put on the scriptures and really look through them, allowing them to refocus our vision, God's saving work in Christ becomes crystal clear. We no longer see a world abandoned to its own devices, but see rather God's transforming love, which brings good out of evil and hope out of despair. And in today's scriptures, we see extremes. We see extreme demands, extreme judgment, extreme promises, urging us to be bold in our acceptance of God's gifts, in our acceptance of the generosity of God, and to be bold in our generosity and imitating God and serving others and God's whole creation as a walking, living icon which helps mediate our relationship with the God we love. So that human responsibility versus God's grace is a balance that we work all our lives to understand and live into. The rejection of idols, particularly in the scripture today, the idol of wealth, versus the engagement with each other as icons of God. These are the tensions which we dedicate and commit our lives to figuring out The understanding of our responsibility is mentioned in 
the September 22nd issue of Christian, Christian Century, in which there are a couple of very good articles about the climate crisis. I commend that article to you, and I quote a couple of pieces of it right now. The 51 billion tons of carbon dioxide we pump into the air each year is wrapping an atmospheric blanket around our planet. This blanket is causing sea ice to melt, oceans to rise, storms to intensify, and heat records to be broken annually. The message we keep hearing is that we have to change our ways or these trends will continue. Addressing the climate crisis is critical, but it won't end the assault on the life of the planet. We've already changed our future. And so they say, we will not be saved by our money, our weapons, or our technological virtuosity. We might be rescued by the joyful, bold, and unprofitable pursuits of love, beauty, and contemplation. They go on to list five ways that we can engage in this respect of the gift of this earth. So I commend that article to you. Can we see the beauty of God, even in the midst of the consequences of our greedy behavior on our planet. Jesus redirects the young man and us, redirects his disciples and us towards not worrying so much about our inheritance or our salvation, but the inheritance of the community, the salvation of the community that God loves so much and for whom Jesus suffered, died and ascended, resurrected and ascended. I don't want to be too sentimental about this, but this past week we have started our evening prayer in person with our homeless neighbors. And it's been very difficult because it's three or four times the amount of work as it was before COVID because now the officiant has to live stream and there's always some issue with the live streaming and the we have to have greeters because um, that's the right way to do a service and we have to hand out a leaflet so we had to produce a leaflet because we don't have our prayer books because of COVID and um, we, we have to make sure people have masks on and we have to make sure people wear, you know, wash their hands and then we have to clean and it's just a lot of work. It's lay-led, which is wonderful, and we have a wonderful group of folks. 
But there were issues. Some people couldn't show up. Some people couldn't live stream. On Wednesday, I was supposed to be in a meeting at 5.30, but I stranded the, the person I was meeting with outside so that I could greet at 5.30 because we needed a greeter. I was welcoming people who were tired and sweaty and have been getting food from us outside for a year and a half. And the respect and the love with which they sat in the pews that you're sitting now took my breath away. Just took my breath away looking up at the ceiling, at the stained glass windows, all of the irritation melted away. We are to use our riches for the poor. This is what we're to do. Today, we celebrate our animal blessing. Uh, last week was the official St. Francis Day feast day, but today we bring our animal companions in, and one of the questions was, can we have the animal companion of our homeless neighbors in? The answer is yes, as long as they behave. But. St. Francis was a model of giving everything away. He literally gave his inheritance and his wealth away. And he's a very, very odd and wonderful saint. But he's not like Snow White, which is often depicted with, with birds flying around his head, singing and throwing flowers. He was a serious dude. And he actually didn't agree with um, having pets as, having animals as pets, which my father uh, told me. Um, but St. Clair, his best friend and companion, did. So we'll listen to her. To St. <laughs> Francis said these words. Start by doing what is necessary, then what is possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. With mortals, certain things are not possible, but with God, all things are possible. Don't ever use that as a way to escape the extreme demands that God asks of us. Don't, don't use that phrase, with God all things are possible, as a way to excuse behavior. But do remember the words of St. Francis, that if you do a little bit of what is necessary, 
then add on a little bit of what is possible. With God, suddenly, you are able to do the impossible. Remember that wealth is an idol, that humanity is a walking icon that we should respect, that God's grace comes before our responsibility, but we are not let off the hook by God's grace, and that the extreme demands are followed by extreme connection with the creator of all. And that is an extremely priceless gift. Amen.